Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner on Blog Talk Radio. On this show, I interview life coaches, business coaches, and other coaches to discuss all aspects of coaching and business. We'll also take your questions and you might have the opportunity for live coaching right on the show. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz with Ingenuity Coaching, myfuturecoach.com. I help people transitioning from corporate America to entrepreneurship. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the call-in number is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. You can also go to the site at blogtalkradio.com slash coachandrew and join our chat room. And you can talk with other people listening, post questions in the room, and I'll check in from time to time. A couple of years ago, actually about a year ago, I walked into a, um, a New York coaching meeting group, and I met a fellow by the name of Craig Jennings. And uh, I was very interested in, in his presentation, and I got to know Craig a little bit. And Craig is going to be on our show today. So Craig Jennings is a business coach, self-described as an entrepreneurial junkie. Craig also runs a successful New York coaching group for many years, and you can learn more about him on his blog at www.craigjennings.com. So, Craig, are you with us? I am with you. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Craig. Thanks very, very much for being on the show today. Pleasure. So tell me, so you, you have been uh, on the coaching scene for quite some time. Yeah, and it's, it's really been, it's been spectacular. I was trained by Thomas Leonard and uh, and Julia Stewart, who is his sort of chief trainer, and they were magnificent. And Leonard was breathtaking. Um, and and it, it, for some reason or other, it was really easy to do. And uh, and I haven't looked back. I've been a coach for ten years. Uh, it gets better every year. How did you wind up uh, getting co- uh, trained by by the famous uh, Thomas Leonard? Well, I was I had I, I had a business. Uh, actually, I had a training business in Manhattan, uh, and I sold it for a bunch of money. And, uh, and I was really happy about that. I was happy about the bunch of money. <laughs> and and then after a while, I got to looking around, at looking at the walls, and trying to figure out what to do. And I decided I would have to have a new occupation. I couldn't go back in the other occupation because I had an agreement not to. And I decided that since I was old and had white hair, the only thing that I could take on that really made any sense was to be a coach. And so without any better sense than that, uh, I set out to do that. And at that point, <coughs> Thomas Lander was starting Coachville. And I became a charter member, one of the first people that had joined Coachville because he, sound like he, he sounded like he makes, made sense. And what I discovered over the three or four years that I worked with him before he died, he not only made sense, he had made every coach, <laughs> any, every significant coach, coaching organization up to then, at that point, he'd made Coach U and ICF, uh, and he was this, the, the generator of coaching, and, and for that matter, still owns an awful lot of the ideas and the integrity of the business. And I was just lucky enough to be in at the at the at the start, and he inspired the hell out of me. I, ha- I have to tell you, I'm I'm very jealous. Mm. 
place. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're entitled to be jealous because it was really a wonderful place to be. And luck, uh, luck and opportunity. Sure. Uh, you know, that's the story. Yeah, I, I didn't even know coaching was a, was a career until uh, maybe uh, five years ago. <laughs> I thought it was this thing only guys with white hair did. There you go. There you go. Wow, that's great. So, um, so what? Uh, so you're a business coach, and what what are, what are the kinds of businesses that typically come your way? Oh God, uh, there are no kinds of businesses that typically come my way. Okay. There is. I, I I I answer that question a fair amount, and I've done a little research on it, and I I don't think that I have ever worked. I, I've had. I, I I don't think I have ever worked coached the same kind of business twice. Okay, I've been coaching for 10 years, and, I, and several of my clients have been with me for a number of years. But there have been some that didn't stick around for a while or were in for a short term and got done what they needed to get done and went on. I've never had any duplication. So it's always something different. You work, I, can't tell you, I can't tell you why, but mm-hmm. it, it, the, the issue has nothing to do with technical knowledge. Oh, what about the size of the business? Are they typically uh, small businesses, large yeah, businesses? Yeah. My, my experience as an entrepreneur uh, went up to about $2 million a year. And I, generally speaking, work with businesses that aren't much bigger than that. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, <clears throat> the Fortune 500 is safe from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't know what they're missing. Oh, God bless you, bless from your from your mouth to their ears. <laughs> so, so Craig, what happens when people call you and ask about coaching? Uh, well, first of all, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, I, I get really excited when people call and ask about coaching, uh, and we give them what we call I call the handbrake test. And the handbrake, well, have you ever just driven a car with a handbrake on? Uh, you sure. mean like a, a Ford Model T? Well, any any car that has a handbrake. Oh, uh, oh, the handbrake. Oh, okay, I, I was thinking of the old. You just had me going back in the past here for a second. You mean the the the, the brake, the, the parking brake, the, the emergency brake. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, uh, there's a story about some guy who gets a coach gets in a car with some guy and and he and he says and he says how do you like your new car and he said well it's really nice you know it's got all these gadgets and really nice it's pretty and it's shiny but it gets lousy gas mileage you know it's sluggish as hell and it has a funny smell to it and so then the coach says oh well what's that big silver thing sticking right up between the seats he said well the salesman told me when he gave me the car that everything was exactly the way it should be so I don't know what it is but we shouldn't move it. Okay, you're driving along, and you hear the squealing of the brakes and the smoking of the brakes and that sort of thing. And the coach says, well, what would happen if we – imagine what would happen if we could lower that down. He said, well, you can't lower it down because it's a little button on top that locks it. Oh, okay. So what would happen if you pushed the little button down? Well, I don't know. And then the coach makes a deal with him. He said, now, what would happen if we, if we push it down and we could pull it right back up? Would that be all right? And usually if you can get a yes at that point, then you have a coaching relationship. And what happens for me, uh, I, I, what happens for me is people call me, and they don't say, hey, I've got the handbrake on, but there's something not working in their business. 
And so the first thing we have is a conversation, usually a, a, a fairly short conversation at no cost. And we try to see whether there's a handbrake on. And uh, after that, if we if we, we discover there's something we really want to tackle together, then we go on and tackle it. So that's how it starts. That's a great analogy, the handbrake. I, I've never heard that one before. I made it up. Ah. So what are, what is um what's it, what are some of the mistakes that uh, small businesses tend to make? Well, there 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 there's a cluster of them. Um, and I don't mean to sit in judgment of it because what I want to promise you is that I have made and continue to make all the same mistakes again, the same mistakes as my clients do. I've had a lot of experience with that. I'm really knowledgeable about that. Oh, I know just what that is. Do it all the time. But the first thing is when you lose your vision. What do you mean uh, by that? Well, when you, when you started a business, you had this picture of what you were going to do. Uh, you the star in the east. You're going to follow the star in the east mm-hmm. who came to the Christ child. Okay. And... Sometimes a week or a month or six months or a year or two years later, you can't tell which tar it is. And you're tired. And you think, maybe it's a good time to just sit down and rest. You know, and, and, and I, whatever the picture was that I was excited about, I'm not excited about it anymore. That's a, that's a, that's a potentially terminal mistake in a business. Because the co- the, a, a entrepreneur has to continue to renew his vision. It's a it's a tricky it's a tricky responsibility, but he not only has to renew his vision, but he has to communicate his vision to other people, whether the people that work with him or whether his friends or his wife or whatever. He has to keep expressing his vision and developing it. If he doesn't, he loses his, he loses the charge that keeps him in action. He loses the possibility of being incredibly successful. He he takes on if he loses his vision, he takes on the possibility. Of just going back and being a, a, an employee somewhere, even if he's just an employee for himself. Got it. Scary. Yeah, very scary. Uh, can I give you a couple more? I would love to hear some more. Okay. Well, there's a there's there's a, a conflict between vision and action that's really important. And vision is the ability to get the big picture, and action is to do the work. Right. And usually when people call me, they have an action problem. It's not too often they have a vision problem. It takes a little while, a little longer to figure out when it's a vision problem. Okay? But there's a wonderful Japanese proverb. Check this out. And the Japanese problem says, vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so you can imagine that if you, if, you, if you or I were working in our own business and we had this great vision, but we didn't do anything about it, <laughs> okay, it's a daydream, you know. And right. actually, if we're doing a lot of action, what's more common, however, for an entrepreneur is he was such a hard worker when he was an employee that nowadays it's his own business. He is just busting his buns and he's working 24-7, but he's doing the action without any vision. And when that when that comes up, either one of those comes up, 
then the entrepreneur is in a lot of trouble because he's in incipient burnout. Okay. So the latter one sounded like the chicken without the head. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Michael Gerber talks about it in his wonderful book, uh, The E-Myth Revisited, which he has reprinted about 400 times. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was such a great entrepreneur that he sold the whole company that he built, hired a president. Uh, I'm sorry. He sold shares in his company, hired a president, and went off and did something else. Now that's that's entrepreneurship. Because one of the one another one of the tri- the traps is to create a business that takes take that keeps you busy twenty four seven. Because if it keeps you, <laughs> if, if if you're making a business, your ultimate intention should be to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I I Gerber came out and spoke at a, at, at a tab group that I, I'm a part of. Um, a couple of years ago, and he and we had about 300 people in the room, and they were all was pillars of the community, three piece suits, and all that good stuff. And he had about 30 percent of them wanted to cut his throat because he said, "Look, how many people here work at least 60 hours a week?" And the hands went up. And he said, "You don't have a business; you just bought yourself a job." Mm-hmm. Supposing you were trying to sell your business to someone. First of all, you tell them what your bottom line is. Secondly, you tell them what your gross profit is every month. And then you tell them, and in order to do this, you have to work 60 to 70 hours a week to do it. How many people do you think you could sell it to? And people went into shock. And I'm not saying entrepreneurs need to be lazy. But they certainly need to understand that we fundamentally don't place enough value on our own time. I guess that's quite really what I want to get out with that one. Okay? Yeah. Okay. I got, there's, an, there's another issue that comes up a lot. Sure. And I, we call it lack of financial management, and that's really pejorative. But the way the phenomenon comes up is... I have. I'm, I'm coaching three guys right now, who do not want to know their bottom line. Why? Because they have a business that supports them doing what they do. They make money. It's a profitable business. And one guy said, "Well, I'm not sure how well my business is doing, but I wanted to buy a new piano." And he said, I, I almost didn't want to tell you that, because they have a piano, and it's fine. But they have one in the store that's really nice, and I got a great deal on it. It only cost me $7,000. So I put it on my American Express charge card and charge it to the business. Now, guess what he's asked me to do? Help him find out what his bottom line is in the business. <laughs> guess what he doesn't want to know? His bottom line. If he wanted to know his bottom line, he wouldn't be buying he wouldn't be buying new pianos to replace old pianos that are perfectly fine. Well, he's he's in it for for the pleasure of being an owner, the free, pleasure and freedom of being an owner, and knowing the knowing the numbers he sees as a retreat from freedom. Uh, let me just take that a step further, because it's really it's really sad. If he could learn the numbers and understand the numbers. He is such a talent. He is so gifted. 
that he could run in, in that in six to nine months his business could be producing double the income it is right now. But he'd have to get stuck into it, and he'd have to watch his bottom line. And so for, so far, uh, that that's his handbrake. Does that make sense? Sure. So so what do you do with a guy like that? How do you get him to release that handbrake? You dare him. Uh, or you ch- a coach, I think, actually, there the, 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 the are two answers to that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, what, what, at that, that, what that takes at that point is coaching courage. That's where the coach has to be worth his salt. Because that's when he's got to say to the client, are you sure you want me to continue coaching you? Okay, well, look what's going on here. You're doing A, B, and C. You say you want X, Y, and Z. But this is totally in- A, B, and C are totally inconsistent with X, Y, and Z. Would, we, would you like me to go over that again, sir? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, what the coach is saying is, is that if you piss him off, he's, been per- he's perfectly willing to keep paying you. You're like the seven grand piano. You know, somebody to talk to, somebody to say, okay, how is it going? Oh, yeah, how things are going? Oh, oh, you made that decision. You did that. You're thinking about doing that. You're still thinking about doing that. You're still thinking about that. Okay? I mean, the, you, 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 you can, that's a, that, that's, that's a, that a tit that you can suck at as long as you're a calf. Sure. Okay? And you have to grow up. So that, that's when the, that's when the coach earns his money. And sometimes when he ends the relationship. So you've been in the in the situation of a you could, as they say firing a client. Oh yeah. Oh, it, it, I, actually, I've only fired one client, and he was untruthful. And I could I didn't exact I knew he was being untruthful, but it really didn't I, I. I cut my clients a lot of slack, and so I thought, well, maybe da 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 da, and I referred him to a lawyer. He wanted to talk to a lawyer, and the, and the lawyer called him out, called him out on it, and then he and he said A, B, and C, and the lawyer said X, Y, and Z, and he said No, I never said A, B, and C. The lawyer said, But you did. And I thought, Oh fuck. And so I realized, and I was having a lot of difficulty with the client, and so I really wasn't as clear that he was lying until somebody else caught him in a lie in front of me, and then I said, Oh, okay, goodbye. And then he said, I can, you know, he, he said, I can't believe that you're ending the relationship here without the penalty clause for getting out early. And I said, well, it's my choice. And he never, never twigged, uh, you know. Uh, I, I said, you know, that, that, that's it. I, I, didn't, I didn't tell him I'm leaving you because I don't think you're an honest man. That I couldn't, that I couldn't do. What, what did you do? I just said we're. I don't want to. Let's, let's not work. Let's not. We're having difficulty. Let's let's not go forward. I could have been brassier, I suppose, as I think about it. Uh, but that was the only guy that ever fired. Every every once in a while, I've had somebody who uh, didn't like the my my version of reality, and that ended the relationship. Mm. But that's that that's that that sometimes. That, that's an important thing to happen because sometimes it means the coach isn't 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 right for the client. Sure. And and your client has some responsibility in the matter. After all, he's paying. You know. So it's every once in a while, it's up to us to 
put the put the bacon on the griddle and see whether it fries. <laughs> well, now you just got me hungry. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time for a snack, isn't it? Uh, a little, little bacon snack. <laughs> what else can we talk about? Well, I'd like to... Um, uh, you had mentioned to me you had some uh, case histories of some. some oh, business. yeah. There's one. There's one guy I'm really excited about. Oh, we'll call him Ralph. That's not his name. Okay. But uh, but Ralph was in the insurance business and the pension business, and he was at one time famous. He came into some real personal difficulties. I won't go into detail. But they were as nasty as you could imagine. Okay. Okay. Sure. And he real. Uh, well, let me just say, real hard times. And when I met him, he was sort of interested in getting his business going. But he really wasn't. And he was buying a little real estate and overhauling the real estate. I live in New York, and the real estate was in Vermont, so they had to drive up to Vermont over the weekend. And when he got back, he was tired, so he only worked two or three days a week. And and I I said, look, you really, what do you really want to do here? And so we we went out for dinner, and I asked him to fish or cut bait. And I said, look, if you fish, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take this business and you're going to pump it up from uh, something that pays you seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year and let you buy boats. To something that's worth going to be worth five million dollars, and somebody's going to pay you that money, or pay it in installments in ten years from now, and you're going to get get a tenth of that every year for the next ten years, and you're going to retire like a goddamn king. And, and th- that became his vision. So he built an exit strategy. And one of the mistakes is people that don't have an exit strategy, you know, an idea of what building the business is really for, which is for your own welfare, okay, but but ultimately to sell. And so now he's got this exit strategy, and we're looking at the golden goose, and he is kicking butt. My God, the man has just dropped it in gear. And one of, I guess I can't think of anything more exciting for a coach. Than when the client catches fire. So that was that's that's a success, uh, that's a wonderful story. That's like that's like uh, your your son just did something amazing. That's a, per, a great analogy. It's absolutely true. That's yeah. my boy. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and 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 you can really be, and you can really be proud of the guy because what he took on was the end of old age. What because do you mean? He, well, he was retiring. Oh, okay. You know, he was slowly pulling the gray hood over his face, if you will. He was telling telling stories that really weren't very truthful. He was reminiscing. He was he was ending his life, mm. or he was ending his life as he knew it. And he was had new adventures, like buying houses and re- renovating them and that sort of thing. But but he knew. That he was he his, he was pr- pr- making an exit strategy for life that was not much of a strategy. Now he has an exit strategy that you know has has an upward arc, and he is absolutely energized and thrilled. And we're inventing new things for him to do, 
uh, and I, I, uh, I represent a tremendous value to him. Now I'm gonna, that sounds like bragging, but I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. I, I represent a tremendous value to him because he can count on me to be excited with him as he makes this thing go. And we have ten. We have this ten million dollar target, or five million dollars, whatever, you know, uh, sure. in eight years, and it's uh, exciting. So, and that that gives. Uh, I would imagine it also gives you your own uh, as you're, you're sort of part of that dream. It gives you something also to be shooting for. Well, I have. There, there's, there's a craft commercial component as well, okay. uh, which I'll share with you. I ask my clients uh, for a success. Uh, a success incentive, which is four percent of their net profit, okay, uh, mm. or their net profit increase since we started to work. Now, the trick. This is really sneaky and tricky, because it sounds like it really benefits me. And the, the truth of the matter is, in uh, in the clients that I've worked with, by and large, that doesn't ma- amount to a great deal of money. Okay, because it's the increase in the net profit. Right. But what it forces the client to do is to understand his own numbers. And that's worth that's worth rubies. Sure. Okay? And then it, it, later on, if I'm making too much money, we renegotiate. You know, that happened once, and we just I said, well, it's, it's, just, it's okay. You know? Uh, let's, let's change it. I don't, I don't, I'm not... It's not. It's critical. I said the reason I put this thing on for you was to get you to pay attention to the damn numbers. And he said, "Well, it really did change the way I looked at it." And I said, "Okay, that's the game." So at any rate, that's, that's that was a fun thing. Uh, I had I have another one. Can I, do you have a minute for for one? Absolutely. Of we okay. have uh, 18 minutes left in our okay, show. Okay, great. Well, let me, there's one, one, I'm, I'm really proud of one guy. I'm, I, I worked with him for about uh, three and a half, four years, and we'll call him Roger. And he was, a, he was a rep. And he was working for this guy who was busting his chops. And he, and, uh, and our, he was a rep in the, uh, in the lawn and garden world, and he called on big stores. Mm-hmm. And this is a really tough game. If you if you know people that that work as uh, self-employed, independent reps, right? They have a car with sixty that gets sixty or seventy thousand miles a year on it. They're on the road all the time. They're going from store to store, place to place, customer to customer, and they do what they can. And they work they work harder than almost any other entrepreneur I've ever seen. And this guy had been working for this one guy for 17 years. And he, the guy he was working for was really a tough, tough dude. And so he called me one day and said, and we talked about coaching, and we had a conversation or two, and I said, have a look at my testimonials and see if I, I might be the right kind of guy. And we ultimately agreed, because what he wanted to do was to quit being the rep for this Represented organization, create his own rep organization, and take the clients away from his boss. And the dumb to dumb dumb in the background is that uh-huh. he was scared to death of his boss. Mm-hmm. 
So this took guts, balls, and all intestinal, intestinal intrepidity, all kinds of, whatever you can imagine. It took an enormous amount of courage and determination for him. And we, our original coaching sessions were we, we coached six times a month, which is very, very intensive. But he had all kinds of actions to take and a vision to build. And the vision was what his business would look like as, as a sole proprietor and then how he would enlarge it. And I, I, I won't go too. Well, I work. We worked together for three years, mm-hmm. after, and, and we worked for for four or five months at a six time a month coaching session. Okay, and then he walked into his boss, and he told his boss that he was going to go out on his own. And his boss stood up and gave him a smile, put his hand out, shook his hand, and said, "Good luck." <laughs> he was astounded. And every client that he had asked came with him. And the first year, he made a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so those are, those are the kinds of things that just really, really lift a coach. And, and, and they do pretty well for a client, too, I might add. I would imagine so. And do you do, you, do, you, uh, do in-person or over the phone or a combination? Well, it depends. I mean, the, the one guy I spoke to spoke of was in Minnesota, so it was, you know, we 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 never met. Uh, the the other guy who was who was building an exit strategy uh, lives on Long Island, and I see him every Thursday morning. Um, so I have a client in Southern California and a client in Maui, and uh, and you know. People find me on the on the internet, and we get to work. So it dep- most most of the, I guess most of the time we do the phone coaching. Is that is that how about you? Is that what you do most of the time? I'm pri- yeah, primarily uh, I would say almost entirely phone coaching. Like every so often that comes up where somebody wants to meet, and if they're in New York, sure, why not? There's a, there's some arguments about that. I, I'll share this with you. There are some arguments that suggest that phone coaching, in some respects. Is more effective uh, than face-to-face coaching. Okay, you may have re- read Blink. I think I blinked and missed it. <laughs> was it no, uh, I have not read Blink. It was by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Okay, and it's a story of it was, it's, uh, Gladwell. Get everything Gladwell has ever written and read it. He has three books out. I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay, he's spectacular, but. What he points out is that sometimes you just want the information you need. And if you have more information than you need, it doesn't work for you. It works against you. And Blink is having a look at how you assimilate information, how you get enough information to make decisions. And, and there are some, some aspects of it that, describe, that where you get where more information works counter to your, to your intention. I've noticed a couple of times with people who I coach both face-to-face and by telephone that we are more business-like when we're working by phone. Now, it's, it's much more enjoyable to work face-to-face. There's a lot of stimulus, a lot of, you know, the visual, the, mm-hmm. the, the emotional that, doesn't, that may not show. Uh, 
but but at any rate, there's an excellent case at any rate, for, in my in my opinion, for for telephone coaching. Yeah, I I would I would agree with that. I I would definitely have found that uh, on the phone there's something. For me personally, I find that there are things that I can hear that I might miss because mm-hmm. I'm I might be distracted by something about the visual. Yeah. I might actually miss something. I have to be so much more attentive <laughs> with my ears. Yeah, and from, I think that's true. And you really have to focus. And I think that's the focus. What a coach really needs to be able to do is to provide totally focused attention to what his client has to say. And it's only when you're really in that zone that you can really be with him. And it's only when you're really with him that that it works right. I don't know. Uh, There's something a little little undefined in that statement, perhaps. But uh, anyway, you and I agree on that. Did you you happen to see the movie Ray, about Ray Charles? Yeah. Here's a guy who uh, couldn't see, so Mm -hmm. everything he did was with his ears, and as a result... His he was so finely tuned to sound that he could hear things that nobody even noticed were were going on. I mean, like mm. the the the, the a, a bird fluttering or something crawling across the floor. He could hear it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, w- when I went to school, uh, I, w- I went to school, I had I had a I had, when I went to college, I had a session in summer school, and there was a guy by the name of Bed Meta who became a writer for the New Yorker and he was a blind uh, uh Indian uh in- India Indian mm-hmm. and he was very very lucky because his parents had had some money and they sent, when he became blind he had meningitis or something like that they sent him to a, to a, a school for the blind because most of the time in India uh if you're blind they turn you to basket weaving mm. and if you're a basket weaver you can't read braille so he was he was able to get an education, and he went to Harvard for Christ's sake. Okay, and I was his guide uh, all summer, and uh, and he taught me a lot about how much I don't see, <laughs> including when that we were walking down the street, and he had his, his hand on my arm, and there was a, a a kid with a shoe shine box sitting by the side of the road, okay, or, or up against the building. And I'm chatting with him, and he's talking with me. And he trips right over the kid with a shoe sign box. And I, I, I was embarrassed and ashamed. And I said, oh, gee, I'm sorry, that I didn't see him. <laughs> and he giggled, and he said, be sure as hell I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, is, it is a special world. And sure. I, you know, actually, what he told me was how much sex he got. He said, women love him. Because I can't see what they look like. But he goes on so at a lot of blind dates. If, if, oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I, I, I went there. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, 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 and that occurred to me until this moment. I wish I had an opportunity to, to put that to him. But yeah, he, 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 told, he told me he was tremendously successful sexually. And he said, I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that I'm blind. And he said, well, maybe that's a certain amount of uh, tactile superiority to a sighted person but I think it's mainly that women can't can see that I can't see their defects mm. isn't that interesting so a certain blindness 
may be appropriate for us all. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I, I, every year I get a little, little closer to that. <laughs> uh, you have a point there. Ouch. So I wanted to uh, hear about something that you had referred to as the Holy Grail. Yeah. Uh, well, I mentioned vision and mission. Yes. But the Holy Grail is self-knowledge. And I invite all my clients to sup and to drink at the Holy Grail. And they, and they say, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, self, the, the, the best thing that I could do for you, perhaps, or might be, to help you learn more about yourself. What do you suppose, my, what do you suppose the, the general response to that is? I have no idea. Negative. Oh. No, I've, I think uh, I have a lot of self-knowledge. Maybe more, maybe more than I'd like. Let's give that a pass and go on to something else. Okay. And the irony of it is, That invariably, I won't say invariably, but when you get self-knowledge, and I use a whole series of psychological assessments, I'm going to make a recommendation, by the way, before we're done, a whole series of psychological assessments, you learn things about yourself that you did not know. And most of them are good. And for a business owner... He's got to know what he's good at. Mm. Okay? Now, the problem is, not, not, not only is that important, but he's got to know where he's good and where he's not. Uh, an example from my own book is uh, I was really pissed off because I couldn't get my bookkeeping square. Okay? So I've been mm-hmm. three days working with QuickBooks to get everything organized. And then I invited this friend of mine who was a quick quick expert to have a look at it. And he, and he looked at it and said, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, and I did this and I did this. I said, uh-huh. I said, and I did this and I did this. And I could sense a certain lack of enthusiasm in his voice. And finally he said, Craig, you said, I think I can probably straighten it all out in about 10 or 15 hours. I was devastated. <laughs> but, it tur- but it turns out that if you ask me to add up a column of numbers with a, with a pencil and paper, the only way I would get you a, a, a decent result is to add up three, add it up three times, and average the result. <laughs> I have no skill with simple math. If it's complicated mathematical relationships, I'm terrific, or I'm okay. Okay, but simple math, I'm a klutz. Well, what I want to suggest to you is I didn't know that until I made this. I invested a tremendous amount of personal time, and then had this friend come in and. Uh, politely say you really did that did you um, <laughs> have this friend come in and have a look at my work and say well you you got a bad you're a great guy but you have a lousy bookkeeper uh, and so this, the business owner really has to find out what he's great at and do that and get the hell out of all the other kinds of things in the business that he could do and probably has learned how to get by on because we entrepreneurs are very resourceful, but he isn't good at, okay? And do yeah. the things that he's great at. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Okay, so I'm gonna. I, can I make a recommendation to to whoever is listening, tunes in, or whatever? Sure. There's a book written by Clifton called "Now Discover Your Strengths." 
Now discover your strength. Your strength. And it's by somebody in Clifton. I forget who, the other guy's name. Clifton was was the was the was the, was the guy who really generated what was called strength theory. Uh, and if that and that, that's been printed and reprinted and reprinted, and there is a cheaper version which I don't quite like like quite so much. Uh, that was a reprise of that, uh, an update of it, and that's that's smaller and cheaper. Written by a fellow by the name of Rath, R A T H, called Strengths Finder 2.0. Now, here's the payoff. Mm-hmm. If you read these books, you will discover why. Uh, the old wives' tales about uh, doing it all yourself uh, are bad. Or why? Where the, 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 there's, a, there's a notion, for example, that your op- greater opportunity for your greatest growth is in the area of your greatest deficiency. And the problem, of course, is in the area of, where you, of your greatest deficiency, you have no skills. You have nothing to build on. The opportunity for your greatest growth is in the area where you're strongest. Mm. Okay, and yeah. the entrepreneur needs to be unbalanced. He needs to go after the things that he's really strongest about. Now, if you read, if buy or read either of these books, here's my coaching to your audience: Do not buy a used one, because the real reason you're buying this is because there's an incredible assessment that comes in with it, and the assessment tells you how good you are at what, or not just how good, but what it tells you what your five greatest strengths are. Are you a strategic thinker? Are you uh, responsible? Or are you a kind of person who takes care of others? Are you essentially a caregiver? Uh, what, what are your, what are the, are you, are you a, a, a wooer, a, a, a salesman? Uh, what, what, what kinds of mentalities do you have? And it'll give you five, your five greatest strengths. And if you, have a look at what your five greatest strengths are and see how many of those are being used in your business. When I can get clients to take that assessment, the book costs 20 bucks, okay? And the assessment is free. Most of the assessments, Myers-Briggs and that sort of thing, cost two or $300. Sure. And my clients will go through that too, bless their little hearts, or the, or the, the gutsy ones will. But Now Discover Your Strength is a wonderful way to get it started, or Strengths Finder 2, 2.0. Uh, with, by Tom Rath, a wonderful way you can get you, you can find them at Barnes and Noble, or you can mm-hmm. find them all on Amazon. Just be careful not to buy a used one because somebody will already have had the code. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I I'll probably order that right after the show. So we only have a couple of minutes left. I wanted uh, to hear you had mentioned something to me earlier in our conversation uh, about uh, CEO time. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's one of my hot buttons. CEO time is so critical because entrepreneurs, the most powerful thing that an entrepreneur has is his time. Absolutely. I mean, you, that, your fundamental resource, the whole, actually, it, we'll, we'll go beyond your entrepreneur. You and your life, Andrew, and my life are the only things we own. The argument may be we don't have enough time, but in point of fact, you and I have all the time we have. We have all the time there is until suddenly uh, you stop having any at all. But the entrepreneur who spends most of his time doing what we'll call chief employee work, 
is most of us. Most entrepreneurs spend most of their time doing work that's worth 15 bucks an hour. And then they spend a little time doing manager work where they're asking somebody else to do something, and they feel a little guilty about that. And then mm-hmm. they spend, very rarely do they spend time learning something new or putting their feet up and thinking about what, what they might do next. Wow. Okay? By the, I ask people to do this, and I have a blog, craigjennings.com forward slash blog, where there's a spreadsheet there, and it adds up the numbers. And if you give it a, a, a one, four, five, of, of, uh, uh, how many hours do you spend a day? Let's say you spend ten. You spend one hour of CEO time, four hours on manager time, five hours on chief employee time. By the way, Craig, I'm sorry to have to break break off, but we have literally uh, 15 seconds left. I'm, I'm sorry. And I know I, I wish we had waited for the, uh, this long for this, but thank you so very much for being on the show. Craig Jennings, uh, our guest tonight, thank you uh, for being uh, with us here on Blog Talk Radio Coach's Corner, and we will be back uh, the following week. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Thanks very much. It was You're fun welcome. being with you. Thanks.